As Jesus was starting out on his way to Jerusalem, a man came running up to him, knelt down, and asked, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus asked. Only God is truly good. But to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. You must not cheat anyone. Honor your father your mother. Teacher, the man replied. I've obeyed all these commandments since I was young. Uh, if you don't have a paper Bible, the words are on the screen. You can also open up the Version Bible app, hit the more button in the bottom right-hand corner of the events, and all of your Bible verses and a few more uh, for today will pop up. Verse 21, looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. There is still one thing you haven't done, he told him. Go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor, and you will live, uh, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. At this, the man's face fell, and he went away sad, for he had many possessions. Now, to just translate this last line into modern English, for he had many possessions means that he was rich. Like, not just like kind of rich, like real, real rich. Like, he was that person. Have you ever met that person? Or maybe you know somebody like this in your life who is like literally the perfect person. They are perfectly put together. Their hair, nothing is ever out of place. If they're a man, none of it is disappearing no matter what age they're at. Their teeth are so white that they don't need lights because they just shine and light up the entire room. They walk into a room, you're like, wow, how does that person look so incredible at all times? Then you meet their family and they come out and they politely greet you with like proper like language and like hello sir great to meet you and you're like wow my life is terrible and their vehicle seems amazing and their house seems incredible and everything about them is perfect and you're probably having like a man crush on them just a little bit because you're just like wow like everything in these people's life is absolutely perfect and amazing that is who this person is everything's put together everything's proper everything's on point everything is amazing. Everything is awesome. He had the protocol. He learned. He, he fell down. He says, teacher, you're good, even though that was in a, a, not a common term for them to be using. It was generally safe for God, but he, he recognized who Jesus was. He had the protocol down. He had the performance down. Listen, I haven't done any of those things ever since I was young, which is a total lie, but at least he really believed it. And he had the pocketbook to back it up. Now, we have to understand that in Jewish culture at this time, that the Old Testament taught that God normally blessed the righteous with physical prosperity. We find this in Job chapter 1, Job chapter 42, Psalm 128. I put it on the YouVersion app for you in Isaiah 3, where this idea that that if you were blessed by God, if you were a good person, that you were blessed by God, and that the more things you had, the more wealthy you were, the better person that you were. So the disciples are looking at this guy, and they're like, This guy has got it together. This guy is like our superhero. And he's like, Jesus, what do I have to do? What do I have to do to be saved? And that's our language, not his. But he's like, what do I got to do to inherit eternal life? And he's like, just just do this thing. Just give away everything and follow me. And the disciples in verse 26 were astounded. They said in Mark chapter 10, 26, if this guy can't be saved, 
then who in the world can be saved? This guy is perfect. There's bromance going on up here. They're like, what are we even doing? <laughs> if this guy can't make it, what are we even doing? The interesting thing here, or to make note of, is that we see the world differently than Jesus sees the world. We keep score differently than Jesus keeps score. You're like, Jesus keeps score? I'll leave that with you. Proverbs 3 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. We've if you've been around church for any length of time, you've, you've heard this portion of Scripture, you, you know this portion of Scripture, you probably quote it to yourself when you're like, hmm, I need somebody else's idea or thought. But this is the heart of what Jesus is doing. This is what he's saying to this guy. See, the key to, to this encounter that Jesus has with this rich young ruler, as it's described in Scripture, is that in verse 21, Jesus looked at the man and he felt a genuine love for him. Sometimes we, we look at, at Scripture and we kind of read stories and we flippantly pass through and we pass judgment on the guy because we're like, oh, this guy is talking to Jesus. And Jesus says, it's simple. You want to follow me? Just sell everything. We're like, I can't believe he wouldn't just sell everything. As if we would just sell everything and follow Jesus. Like we get a little judgy up in here when we read the Bible. We're like, oh man, I can't believe that guy just didn't sell everything to follow Jesus. No, when was the last time you sold everything to follow Jesus? Now, I guess I would ask you first, when was the last time he asked you to sell everything? But the point is, Jesus looked at him with genuine love and affection. He looked at him in his eyes, and he looked past the veneer. He looked past the image. He looked past the total package. He looked into the depths of who he is and who he was, and he put his finger on his heart. See, Matthew 6 says, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. So Jesus looks past the total package, the perfect picture, the ultimate image, the perfect track record. He looks past the incredible smile and clean teeth and smooth hair, and he just says something to expose this man's heart. He simply says, do you trust me with the things that you love? Do you trust me with the things that you love? And like a mirror, Jesus turns to us with eyes filled with genuine love for each and every one of us. And he says, do you trust me with the things that you love? First Samuel 16 describes a situation like this. The Lord doesn't see things the way that you see them. People judge by the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. He sees what's going on in the inside. I guess another question I have for us today is, do you have somebody else, a human being, that can look at you with genuine love and can speak in love to the things that are going on in the depths of who you are? Have you given somebody permission to say, hey, 
I think you love this a little, little too much. To use another set of language, when Jesus looks at each and every one of us and he says, I love you with a genuine love, he says, do you love me enough? Do you trust me enough to trust me with your whole life? You see, generally what we do, the, the human condition is such that when we come to offer something to Jesus like our life, and we say, Lord, we're going we're gonna to trust you. What we normally do, and we kind of do it by default, not by design, we just do it by default, is we like to keep a few things in our own control just in case we need them later. Right? So we'll keep, you know, maybe you really, really, really like how powerful you feel when you're really, really angry. And so we just like to keep that anger chained up, locked up, away hidden for later because you're just not sure when you might need to use that and so instead of dealing with it instead of giving it up to Jesus because maybe he what that actually is is passion and it's just been channeled and mismanaged and the circumstances of your life have taken and perverted something good that God has put in your life and maybe he wants to redeem it and restore it into something new into a new energy into something to propel you forward but you like the idea of keeping this thing this one thing just this one thing just this one trinket in your back pocket so that you can use it later when you need it but what that actually means what you're actually saying is Jesus I trust you with everything but this everything but this I like this one too much maybe it's a relationship maybe it's a toxic relationship it doesn't have to be a spousal relationship it could be a friend could be a business partner. You keep that unhealthy relationship around because you feel like you, you just, you just kind of need it. You become codependent upon it. But what you're actually doing is you're expressing this sentiment to Jesus. Jesus, I need this person more than I need you. I can't get through this situation. I can't get through this day unless I have this person. And Jesus says, do you trust me with the things that you love? See, in Proverbs 3, verse 5, when it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart, do not depend on your own understanding. What Solomon is trying to get at is that we have this incredible ability to misunderstand everything. You know, you get all the facts or what you assume to be all the facts. And you begin to make decisions and judgments based on all the facts. But the truth is, it's really none of the facts. It's just some of the facts. And you begin to base your entire life upon this set of ideas and principles. And instead of, you know, even asking, you know, I don't know, Jesus, creator of the universe, you just decide to move ahead with a whole bunch of things because you know better. And, you know, you've, you've got the ability to do this and you should do this. Instead of going to the one whose ways are higher, whose thoughts are higher, you just decide, you know what, I think I could make a pretty informed decision and so you actually begin to limit yourself because you've decided that you fully understand the full scope of everything that's happening when he says trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not depend on your understanding it's an open invitation for you and me to walk with Jesus in the big things and in the small things big and small you know, sometimes we're good at giving the big things because we like 
the appearances of it. Um, you know, if you consider yourself to be a spiritual person, then you do everything that you can to look like you're a righteous, pious, spiritual person. But the truth is, there's only one person that knows us better than we know ourselves, and that's the person who knit us together by hand in our mother's womb, named Jesus Christ. He's like, I got something more for you. See, this is what happens when we depend on our own understanding is we look at the circumstances of life and we're like, wow. We begin to make large, vast theological decisions based on circumstance. We go, bad things happen. Jesus must not love me. Because we take that Old Testament, old school perspective that says, if good things are happening to me, then God loves me and I'm blessed. If bad things are happening to me, then God hates me and I screwed up. No, 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ died on a cross with my sin, my shame, my pain, and my condemnation. My sin, my shame, my pain, and my condemnation is still nailed there to this day. They don't haunt me anymore. They're gone. He already took care of it. He already paid the price. I don't have to live there anymore. So when I come and make a massive theological decision about my life, theology is just the study of things in the Bible. When I make those kind of decisions about the direction of my life, I know that I don't live in an old school performance mentality where I have to look good and sound good and talk good and behave good for Jesus to love me. I know that he loved me because while we were still enemies, he went to the cross. While we were utterly helpless, he went to the cross and he died. Now, here's the crazy part. Most of us live like Jesus. If we're Christians, most of us just live like Jesus died on the cross and didn't get off. We like that he wiped the slate clean. We like that he took care of sin. We like that he took care of the condemnation. We like all of those things. But we like him to stay up there and not get involved in our everyday nitty-gritty lives because we like to feel a little bit of control. And it feels like we're losing control when Jesus says, Hey, do you trust me with the things that you love? Do you trust me? This is what can happen in Romans 8. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Listen to this. Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity? or are persecuted, or hungry, or destitute, or in danger, or threatened with death. As the scriptures say, for your sake, we are killed every day, like we are being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loves us. Overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loves us. You're like, you know what? Things in my life aren't adding up to overwhelming victory. And yet, you're living in it and it's available for you. The question that we really have and we're going to be unpacking is how do we live this kind of resurrection life where we truly come alive? We truly come alive when we truly give up ourselves. How do we give up ourselves? We put all of our trust in Jesus, in the big things and in the small things. We trust in Jesus. We change our perspective. This is the perspective of the apostle Paul in Philippians 3. I once thought these things, meaning the rule book, the appearances, keeping up all of the appearances. This is Philippians 3 verse 7. I once thought these things 
were valuable. But now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For this sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as, yep, this is in the Bible, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ. You're like, man, this doesn't make any sense to me. What do you mean all this stuff is worthless? This is what it means. Keeping up the appearances are worthless. Looking good is worthless. Talking the talk is worthless. What's happening in your soul and inside of you has deep meaning and it changes everything in your life. The Lord doesn't look at the outward appearance. He looks at what's happening on the inside of us. It may feel like right now you're living in the midst of chaos. You're living in the midst of a storm. You're living in the midst of of deep pain. It may feel like your life is running out of control and things are out of order. Can I tell you the reason why it feels like things are in chaos is because things are out of order. They are out of order. Galatians 2, my old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God. You've been wondering how you're going to make it through. You've been wondering how you're going to make it through this storm, how you're going to make it through this loss, how you're going to make it through this tragedy. You're wondering how you're going to make it through this busy season. You're wondering how you're going to make it through this marriage. Come on. You're wondering how you're going to deal with these kids. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God. How do I make it through? I live by trusting in the Son of God. I live by trusting in Jesus. How do I trust in Jesus? I put my life back into the proper order. Matthew 6, one of the earliest teachings of Jesus. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. So why is it that we spend most of our life defining ourselves by all these things? This hope, this hope that we found, we find in Jesus is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. All that to say, when we draw near to Jesus, James 4 says, when we draw near to Jesus, he will draw near to us. As we get closer to Jesus, as we trust him with more, as we bring our life back into proper alignment where we seek God in his kingdom first, where we put Jesus first and everything else begins to fall into order underneath Jesus first. 
when we draw near to him and he draws near to us, he takes us to places that we could have only dreamed of, not only places in our natural life, places like where we have a, a deep content and a satisfaction, but he begins to take us places spiritually. There's going to be an intimacy that happens. It's going to feel like your whole soul has been revived and transformed. We come alive when we come close to Jesus because we put things back into the right order. We've decided that above all else, we trust trust Jesus. We trust the Lord with all of our heart and we don't depend on our own read of the situation. We don't depend on our own understanding. We trust in Jesus. How do you stop the chaos? You trust Jesus because at the beginning of the earth in Genesis 1, the world was in chaos and it was void and the spirit of God was brooding and hovering and it was through Jesus it says in Colossians 1 the visible image of the invisible God that he began to speak and chaos turned into order if you feel like your life is out of control if you feel like it's spinning away from you if you feel like you don't know how you're going to make it through this afternoon you don't know how you're going to make it through tomorrow if you feel like you have no idea how you're going to face monday it is entirely conceivable that your soul is eating you from the inside out mainly because just like when you go to the chiropractor and you're feeling pain Jesus wants to come and pop things back into the right place. And all of a sudden, you can walk taller. You can stand taller. You feel strong. You feel life. He's put things back into the right place. Will you trust Jesus to begin to put things back into the right order? Will you trust him with the things that you love? Because when we trust Jesus, we truly begin to come alive. When we feel like things are out of control, we find ourselves saying things like, I need to, I need to find myself. I need to, you know, really discover who I am. When things seem to be like they're ripping apart and tearing at the seams, we're like, we just need to, you know, find our center and find ourselves. Can I tell you that there's one person that knows you better than yourself and his name is Jesus because he created you. As I mentioned earlier, in Ephesians 2 says, he says that you are his workmanship. You're, you're his masterpiece. You are handcrafted. If you need to find yourself, then what you need to understand today is the best way to find yourself is to find Jesus because he made you. He created you. And when you find Jesus, he can dig out of you the things that you didn't even know that he placed inside of you. In the midst of chaos, when it feels like your schedule is dictating your entire life and your life is running out of control, Jesus asks you, does he, do you trust him with your schedule? Do you trust him with your calendar? Do you trust him with your relationships? Do you trust him with your goals, your dreams, your aspirations, and your career? Because though it seems scary to hand over the keys, doesn't it just seem like it makes sense? back to the one who created the world that we're living in? Why don't you bow your heads and close your eyes all across this place? Jesus over everything.
Jesus over everything. If you're here today, you're like, wow, I haven't heard someone talk about Jesus like this before. I didn't realize that he's available right here, right now, that he cares about the nitty gritty. I just thought that he cared about the big stuff. I, I, I wasn't aware that he, he wanted to walk with me and journey with me through every season of life. I, I didn't realize that I could actually trust him with all these little things and he would lead me and guide me. Maybe you're here today and you've been in Christianity your whole life, but you had no idea that Jesus cared. You just thought he cared about you getting into heaven. No, what he cares more about than you getting into heaven is getting heaven into you. And part of that is bringing your life back into alignment so that you can fulfill the purpose and the plans and the dreams. So you're here today and you would say, I want to start my journey with Jesus today. I want to start that journey. Maybe it's for the first time, the very first time. Maybe you've been away for a while. You've been away from faith. You've been away from Jesus. You've been away from all of this. And you say, today's the day I'm coming back home. I want to start that journey with Jesus.